Welcome back to The Pilgrim Soul, a podcast about the journey of faith in the world of today. I'm your host, Juliana. And I'm Sophia. And today we're going to be talking about the saints. The saints! Woo! I'm so excited about this topic. I feel like we say this every week, but it's going to be hard to cover (laughs) everything that we want to cover in one episode. This is... An inexhaustible topic. So what what in particular do you have in mind for us today? Well, so this episode topic has a bit of a backstory. We got a very thought-provoking question from one of our listeners mm-hmm. who was asking about humanity, what it means to be human, what it means to become more human, what that looks like, mm. what is integrated humanity, and how do we communicate to each other and to the world that our humanity is beautiful and important. And the three of us were really struck by this question. And in thinking about it and talking about it, we kept going back to the saints, not as a comprehensive answer to this question that would take a lifetime to answer, but as a really important starting point, maybe portal to understanding it in its depth. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to explore what the saints teach us about our humanity and what they teach us about belonging to the church and what they teach us about God. Amazing. Yeah, I think a really helpful key for exploring a question that can be thorny and tricky and is easy to get wrong in the way that we talk about it, um, in part because the terms that we're using have different definitions for different people. And I myself have gotten into hot water on this before because, as some of our listeners may be aware, um, I ran a blog for a while and... There have actually been encounters with atheists online, uh, some of them in my inbox and some of them publicly online, um, (laughs) accusing me of dehumanizing people who do not believe in God by saying that my faith makes me more human. So yeah, so this is obviously not what we're saying, but in order to really explore this question and really unpack, I guess, the promise of a journey of faith in Christ for our joy and our fulfillment and our liveliness here below. Like, it's important to understand what does it mean to say that your humanity is good? What does it mean to be human? And how do we together as a church help one another become more human and communicate this to others? So kind of daunting, but really, really important. So sounds like our proposal here then is that the saints are human. They are fully human. They are, dare I say it, they are the most human out of all of us. Um, is that is that our claim today? Yeah, that's my claim. Nice. <laughs> um, so what allows you to say that, mm. right? What allows us to say that? What does becoming more human mean? Like what is your response to these, the trolls that wrote into yeah. your blog? Well, it's interesting because so often I want to go immediately to theological language, right? And to talk about the fact that as a created human being, my destiny is eternal union with God. And so I am more human the more I live out of correspondence to that end for which I'm made, Mm -hmm. right? And philosophically, this comes out of Aristotle. What's the end of my life? Living in accord with that makes me more myself. And therefore, you know, participating in the sacraments and in growing in this life of grace. But that's incomprehensible to someone who doesn't believe in God. They can't accept that that's our final aim. Mm -hmm. And so instead, I think what's helpful to talk about is how this changes 
the way that we behave and relate to one another and work and all of these things mm-hmm. in the very mundane details of our everyday life. Because living in accord with the end for which we were made is not just like, great, like one day I'll be in paradise singing with the angels forever. Like God willing, it's also that. But it also means that I'm more able to be myself in every small thing that I do. There's this word that that Hildegard of Bingen uses, um, veriditas, and what it translates to basically like greenness, but she's talking about a kind of liveliness of being that fills everything that you do and enables you to do it according to its truth. And dang, like, isn't that what we all want, right? That's what we all want. We all want to live that way, working and loving one another and treating everything that we own and encounter with that kind of greenness. Does that sort of get us partway to an answer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that it also shows why we kept coming back to the saints in confronting this question and why they're so helpful to answering this question because without a concrete reality in front of us, it is so easy to get lost in these theological terms or these abstract ideas and approach these questions that go to the core of who we are and what we desire with these answers that don't satisfy because they're disconnected from our own lives. And they Um, don't start an experience. Exactly. And so I think that that's a good starting point because that's kind of the, the framework in which we're operating. And then the communion of saints as a whole and then each individual saint helps us understand this further by providing an example or even a glimpse into the reality of humanity. Yeah, well put. Um, I think maybe it might be helpful to offer a very small example here of what kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. in our lives we identify as becoming more human. So for instance, really what I go back to always is just my journey of conversion, which is obviously ongoing, but unfolded in a really dramatic way um, right before I entered college. And the transformation that came about when I stopped fleeing my call to be one with God, to take refuge in the things of the world, in the happiness that the world could give me, right? When I relinquished that and instead surrendered to the initiative of God in my life, it was amazing to see how much interesting everything in my life became. All of a sudden, I didn't, you know, go through art museums when we were on holiday, rolling my eyes and waiting for it to be over. (laughs) You know, there was a fundamental interest there for me. Same with like when we would go on hikes or whatever, and we were in the mountains. It had such a depth of meaning compared to before, where it wasn't just about my fitness and capturing the shot for the Insta, right? But it was an opportunity for an encounter with the one who was creating me as well. Those are just two small examples Mm -hmm. of the way that, for me, the journey of conversion, the journey of sanctity that I'm on, that I begin again each day, is something that makes me more myself, someone who's more awake and attuned to the good around her less caught in, you know, her own mind and her own images, more fully Mm -hmm. able to live the truth of reality. Yeah. And what you're describing too can be defined not only as becoming more human, but also becoming more conformed to Christ. Mm. Because in our fallen human nature, you know, we have so many things that are keeping us from the realization of our fundamental nature as being made in the image and likeness of God as he created us. And um, in Christ, none of those limitations were 
present and he can he shows us what it means to be human and to embrace our human nature. Yes. Yes, which I hinted at before is a journey and it's a perpetual journey. So circling back to the atheists who accuse me of dehumanizing them, this is not a sense of like status, like my status is fully human right, right, because right. I'm Catholic. I love this line from um, Edith Stein that I came across the other day, that to be human is not only to be, but to be becoming. To be human is to be on a journey of becoming. My humanity is a task. It's a task that God asks of me. It's a gift he gives me and calls my freedom forth to mm-hmm. develop it and bring it to its fullness. And so it's never something that I can like check the box and say, great, I'm living in accord with my end. Sophia is fully right. human. No, like it's a task of responding to God's initiative forever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is an important distinction in terms of the term because our status is, of course, all children of God with equal human dignity. And we're talking about something slightly different here. Right. Which is how we live that in our daily life. So why do we do that, though? I mean, for love of Christ, right? Because the kinds of things that get us to, I don't know, to go back to my journey of conversion, there are a lot of sacrifices and boring things and difficult or painful things that have to happen for you to grow in sanctity and grow in conversion. Mm-hmm. Why on earth would we do that? Out of love, love of Christ is the only thing that can pull this all together, you know? Well, also a desire to be happy. I mean, your former way of life was not making you truly happy. And it's only in relationship with Christ and living out of love for him and realizing his love for you that you can be happy. I think that there's a very, we all have this driving desire in our lives and the journey of sanctity is not something that you have to check all your desires at the door and like white knuckle your way. There's so much promise for you. Right. And not just eternally, but even today. I appreciate that that clarification of what it means to love Christ, that it is recognizing Christ as the fulfillment of my desires. Exactly. Uh, this yeah. is what we see. This is what we see in the saints, right? They they aren't perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. Like Jusani loved to say, the saints are fully human in the sense of they were limited, they were sinful, they were not aspiring to some ideal mm-hmm. of perfection. But instead, They longed for Christ, Mm -hmm. exactly as you were saying just now. They longed for Christ as the fulfillment of their desires today. Mm -hmm. This is what unites them in their magnificent diversity, is that they recognized in their desires, in their work, and in their family, and in their prayer, and in their the depths of their soul, that their longing was for Christ. Yeah, exactly. That diversity is very rich and each saint reveals in a unique way the glory of God, the nature of God, and the nature of our humanity as made in his image and likeness. Yes. And that's what's so attractive in the saints. What we're attracted to in the saints is Jesus. It's because they show us something of his face. My love of my patroness is St. Catherine of Siena and I'm not attracted to her because she was an amazing woman. She was. But there are also a lot of things about her that rub me the wrong way. Like you read her diary and you're like, this woman's kind of nuts, you know? (laughs) But there are certain things in her that draw me irresistibly. Her passion, 
her sincerity with which she accepted her finitude and her limitations, Mm -hmm. her thirst for the salvation of all these souls and her love. Oh my gosh. She, She was a woman on fire with love. All these qualities that make me run to her and ask for her help over and over again. It's because I recognize something of Christ in her, you know? Yeah. And I think this is, dang, that's what I want. I want people to love Christ in me. You know, it reminds me, what you're saying reminds me of, I mentioned in our intro episode that I recently read The Read of God by Carol Hauslander. And she has this point where she basically says that we make caricatures of God. We mm. make idols of God. When we do that, we become like those idols. And so, for example, she gives a couple of examples. One is we make an idol of God where the God in our imagination is rigid and exacting and cold. And then when we view God that way, we start to treat other people that way. I've been there. Yeah, exactly. Who hasn't? And when we restrict our conception of God in that way, we are also restricting our own humanity in relationship with others. Yeah. And I think that the saints, by concretely being Christ's hands and feet on earth, they draw us out of those idols. They show us the reality of Christ. And that'll stand in stark contrast with this idol we've made in our imagination. And you can't hold on to these idols when you're faced with something flesh and blood in front of you like that. I'm really glad you shared that because it helps me make better sense of my relationship with certain saints who maybe when I first encountered them or their story or read their autobiography, there was something in it that rubbed me the wrong way. Like for instance, I mean, I know a lot of people actually have this reaction when they first read Story of a Soul, St. Therese. Oh yeah, I did. Who comes to mind because we've got her holy card here on the table, um, (laughs) where they experience her almost as saccharine, too sweet. I had this reaction with another saint who's sitting on our table right now, um, St. John Henry Newman, who I have a huge devotion to now, but when I first encountered him, he was too like heavy and cerebral for me. And I realized over time what I didn't like in them, those are things that I don't like in myself, like when I can get really melancholic or conversely sweetly sentimental. And so as you were saying with Carol Hauslander's point, the saints show me that there are... There is nothing off the table when it comes to what about my humanity God can use for his own devices and what in his being, he who is mystery itself and yet became man, there is no limit to what he can glorify and redeem and use. And so I love that line and I love that connection that you made. Yeah, that's really interesting. My example, I have an example of this recently from my own life. It's maybe in a little bit in a different vein, but gets at the same point. So, you know, as our listeners know, I am pregnant, at least when I'm recording this episode. (laughs) She's so close. Probably not when it comes out. But anyway, it's been kind of a difficult pregnancy in terms of the strain on me physically. And that has, as I know it does for every woman who enters the stage of being a mother, but has completely changed my prayer life. And just my energy levels and my ability to serve those around me and so on. And at the beginning and honestly throughout, it's been a huge temptation to feel when I bring these experiences to God in prayer to feel like he is disappointed in me and Mm. he is, you know, I'm not worthy of his love or I'm just not 
as intended for holiness as other people. It's a real temptation. I think it's a real way to detract from the miracles that are happening in my life. And what has drawn me out of this is seeing how the other people in my life who love me and who I love have looked at me when I haven't been able to do something in relationship with them that I was able to do before. Yeah. For example, my husband, when I like never make dinner anymore or like you, Sophia, same thing. And those people in my life, they were never disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. They always looked at me with love and compassion and they understood how I felt and they loved me not for what I was doing, even beautiful things that I was doing for them, but for who I was. And that helped me see, I saw the love of Christ reflected in those people. Mm -hmm. And that helped me see how he saw me when I was like too tired to focus in mass or I couldn't kneel. And these are examples of holy people in my life, not canonized saints, but I think that um. we're on our way. Thank you. No, thank you for sharing that. Um, It's beautiful. And it shows how this journey of sanctity that we're talking about, becoming a saint, becoming fully human, is not a project of self-perfection or fulfillment. Mm -hmm. It's something communal that we together as the church, as Christ's body, help one another in our weakness and make Mm -hmm. manifest the grace of God, which is actually what changes us. You cannot change without relationship with others. That's something that Jusani always said, like you change in relationship with someone in front of you. And this is what we are as a, as Mm -hmm. a body, as a church journeying towards heaven. And one of the most beautiful things for me, St. John Henry Newman actually is the one who's, who helped me really realize how seriously I should take this is that this body that I'm talking about is not just the people on earth, right? It's not just you, me, and Frank in this tiny house. It's not (laughs) just the movement of CL or my parish or even the global church. It's also the saints in purgatory and the saints in heaven. These souls who have gone ahead of me, the invisible is just as present as the visible. And just as much part of the body of Christ, right? right? We are all one body with Christ at the head. And because of that, asking why we need relationship with the saints, the the answer is the same as asking, why do we need a church? It's because we are all one in Christ and living that communion is what we're made for. Yeah. Well, if we're all one, then why does the church hold up certain people as saints with a capital S, you know? Why is that necessary? I guess I would say for the same reasons that we need authority in our spiritual life, because on our own, we're very prone to errors, we're prone to temptations, images, we're prone to, exactly, images yeah. and idols. And having the church as an authority, it is something objective and external that Christ himself has promised us will be true and reliable throughout history. And so it kind of protects against all those dangers of the spiritual life. Yeah, it can purify our devotion. Exactly. And with the saints in particular, I mean, gosh, these temptations would be even stronger if we were attempting to judge the holiness of others on our own. And perhaps, you know, with a lot of (laughs) other pitfalls. The church canonizing a saint is expressing the church's certainty that that soul is in heaven yeah 
and able to intercede for us mm-hmm. and also holding up the life and the character of that person as a model for the faithful on earth. I love that. There's kind of this dual path, right? One of pointing to them as someone we can be in relationship with, with certainty Mm -hmm. that they are in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. gazing at God's face. As Revelation talks about, they're offering the prayers of the saints on earth to the throne of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, that we can follow them on this path. I love that. And that so fully describes my relationship with the saints. Like I even think about the stories that I've shared on this past season of The Pilgrim's Soul, how many of them there's a particular saint tied to what God was doing in my life or the miracle or the grace that I received. So for instance, the episode on woundedness and this transformation that I experienced in my ability to live in a household. I entrusted that to St. Paul and St. Benedict. St. Paul, because I feel like he was probably a hard dude to live with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he and St. Peter like got in fights all the time. They butted heads. (laughs) And like St. Paul, he strikes me as someone who liked things his way. I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to share an apartment with the dude. (laughs) And then St. Benedict, because I was living at the monastery at the time and just was so aware of the beauty and the challenge of the Benedictine vision of community life. Mm. And so I was like, man, if there's anybody who's helped out Christians over the centuries with problems like this one of difficulty living in close proximity to others, it's probably St. Benedict. So I entrusted it to them and having them in mind helped me be so much more faithful in asking God for this miracle of healing, asking God for this grace, and also filled me with the hope that it was possible, you know, that if God could make saints of them, turn the hermit St. Benedict who lived in a cave for three years and make him the father of thousands and thousands of monks, he can do things with me. Like that's small potatoes in comparison. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I love that the two sort of purposes that you laid out. Yeah, I think to your second point, other than the saints intercession and the miracles that have come of it, that's probably been the biggest fruit in my spiritual life of relationship with the saints is exactly to what you were saying realizing that holiness is possible for me too. Mm. And not just at a high level, in every unique circumstance. So in unique sufferings and joys that I encounter in unique circumstances of my life, knowing that those are paths to Christ, places where he can meet me. And I can't run from that reality because the saints show me that it's true. Without them, I, you know, I would. It was a bit of an education for me to realize it. I remember when I was in fourth grade, we had to do this. Well, you and I went to the same school, so you'll remember. But we had to do this All Saints Day where you pick a saint and you learn about that saint and you dress up like the saint. Yeah. And every single person in my class, probably because these are the most famous saints, but they all chose like a consecrated religious. All the girls dressed up as sisters and nuns and all the men dressed up as priests or bishops and brothers. And I think at, even at that young age, I really did not feel called to religious life. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt so frustrated because it really was a very immature exposure to saints at that time. But I was the only one in my class who went another way. I chose Blessed Kateri Tekakwitha. Nice. And now I realize that it was almost like a rebellion against this misconception that there was only one path to holiness and I was excluded from it because I didn't feel called to that. Yeah. And over the years that have passed since that moment, I have learned so much more about the saints and even those ones whose ultimate life state is different from mine. We still share flaws or virtues or whatever it is. And 
so St. Francis de Sales says that true devotion perfects everything and adorns everything. And he, in his book, Introduction to the Devout Life, he's really insistent about this, that the devout life is possible in every circumstance. This is such a source of, I mean, if that weren't true, I would despair. Yeah. And this realization shown to me and taught to me by the saints is such a source of strength and hope in my life. Because if that weren't true, then I would have given up a long time ago in fourth grade, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's interesting as I was thinking uh, in preparation for this episode about my relationship with the saints, a similar story came up. It was about when Isa, our younger sister, who is now, what, 12 years old, Mm -hmm. went through that process a few years ago when she was in fourth grade and she chose St. Edith Stein for her costume. And for those of you who don't know St. Edith Stein, please go look up her life because it's incredible. She's patroness of Europe and was a martyr in Auschwitz during the Holocaust. But I remember so clearly I walked in to our house after having been away for a while and I went to our basement and there was this huge cardboard tombstone sitting (laughs) against the wall. And as I went up to it, I realized that this was part of the costume that Isabella, our sister, had carried along with her habit of, of a Carmelite religious in being Edith Stein. It was a tombstone with Edith's last words, the Star of David and the Cross of Christ. And I wept. I wept. And every time I go home and I see that, I weep again. Because this is the ideal that's being held up to our sister at 10 years old. Right, right. That the ideal of her life is not a beautiful house, a perfect body, a flawless career, and a full bank account. That the ideal of her life is to give her life in love. Mm -hmm. That that's what it means for her to be human. That is what greatness is. I mean, where else can you go that this is the ideal held up to a child? And to your point about every circumstance being an opportunity to encounter Christ, like the cross, suffering and death, ultimately, the martyrs show us that suffering and death, if lived in relationship with Christ, is something that we can accept out of love of him and as something that we go through on the path to him. Mm -hmm. Life is good even in the cross. And as someone who constitutively like flees the cross at every single chance that I have, I really need the example of the saints to see that for a sinner like me, for someone selfish like me, it is still possible to live the cross, to love Mm -hmm. Jesus who is my crucified God. Yeah. Yeah, because the claims of Christianity and the things that Christ taught us, they're so radical. I think if they were just limited to words on a page, we wouldn't really believe them. Yeah. Whoever loses his life will save it. No way. But then you see that in the, in the flesh. And their own lives become radical. Yeah. Their suffering becomes redeemed and glorified and a source of joy somehow. And not because they're superheroes. Like we've touched on this, but I really want to emphasize it that dare I say the defining characteristic of the saints is their intimate awareness of their sin. And unlike us, or I'll speak for myself, unlike Sophia, they're not scandalized (laughs) by their sin. They're humble. They know their sin to the core of their being and they're repulsed by it. But they accept that they are sinners who have received the mercy of God. I think of like St. John Paul Mm -hmm. II, who went to confession, 
every single day. That's someone who knows that he's a sinner. Right. And yet anyone who met him or even read his writings or whatever would see that he was a man on fire with love of life and with confidence in the love of God. These two things go hand in hand. And as you're saying, we need someone in the flesh to show us that, yeah, we're sinners and you better accept it because (laughs) that's not the final word on your life. The final word on your life is mercy. Yeah, and that realization opens you up to God's mercy. Exactly. exactly. You can't receive it unless you know of your need. You got to say yes to it freely. I think another fruit that I've seen of my relationship with the saints is to hope in miracles. Just seeing how, honestly, St. Hagiographies are so fun to read because at like each twist and turn in their life, just the most impossible and outlandish things You know, not even just like the stuff of legends from the first century martyrs, but the saints of our own day and age, impossible things. Yeah. And it reminds me of the line, I don't remember what gospel it's in, but Christ tells his disciples that they will do greater things than him. If they have faith the size of a mustard seed, they can tell a mountain to move and it'll move. So relationship with the saints has slowly, and I'm still learning this, but taught me to ask for miracles that otherwise I would Mm -hmm. say like, no, that's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this comes through too, not just when you're reading the lives of the saints, but when you follow the canonization process, Mm. because for the listeners that don't know, part of the church's evaluation of an individual's candidacy for formal canonization in the church is a, a certain number of miracles that have occurred as a result of their intercession Yeah, because that proves that they're in heaven interceding for us. I remember, I think it was for St. John Henry Newman's canonization, right? One of the miracles was a woman, a oh, pregnant woman, woman Chicago, from yeah. Chicago yeah. who was, yeah, I think she was either going to die or lose the baby or maybe both. And um, she prayed to St. John Henry Newman and he interceded for her and God worked a miracle in her life. And then she brought her whole family and that baby and all her kids to his canonization Chills. in Rome. I know. You know, that goes to your point about miracles and asking for them. But also what we were saying earlier about never being alone and to yes. belong about belonging to this body of Christ that is in heaven and on earth. And on this point, I remember this really good homily that I heard from Father Mike Schmitz. I'm going to try to find it so we can link it. But he basically describes, well, I guess drawing on St. Paul, but he describes our pilgrimage on earth as a race. Mm-hmm. And the saints, you know, maybe they started earlier than us and they've already finished, and they're at the finish line cheering us on, passing out water and giving us Gatorade. And they don't just cheer for the people that are super fast and like the professional athletes, but that really slow person that really struggled to finish, like it is way more exciting for everybody when that person crosses the finish line and they're cheering them on and they're helping them along. And I found that so beautiful and so comforting because I'm the slow person. So <laughs> the good thing is if you're slower, there's more people who have already finished by the time you get there. So <laughs> Bigger welcome party in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time with conversion, kids. That's the lesson here. I love that. I think of our grandfather um, as he was dying of cancer had visions or really just an intense awareness of the spiritual presence of various saints around Mm -hmm. him and angels, spiritual beings. And I've come to realize that's seeing reality rightly. And we are never alone, that there is 
a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And man, what strength comes from that, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. What strength comes from knowing that you are walking a path of pilgrimage that so many people have gone before you and are now in their passion for the glory of Christ and in their passion for the salvation of the world, which was so present on earth, it's only going to be magnified in heaven. With that passion, they are urging us on and begging God to give us every grace that we need to do that. It's amazing and it inspires me to ask for that passion too, because how did they get there? They trained on earth, right? They were spiritual athletes on earth as well and went through the asceticism and the healing and the works of charity and the reading of scripture and all of these things that help us in the path of conversion. It's interesting because now we're almost describing the opposite of what we have been saying before, because, you know, we start off by saying that the saints help us confront our own reality and truly enter into it. But they also help us not stop there, Mm -hmm. but live our reality only in relationship to God and to live it for heaven. And so it's kind of both sides of the same coin. Right, because as Jusani says, the kingdom of God is not another place. It's the truth of this world. Right. It's the truth of this world. And so to live this reality truly is also to recognize that what we see of it is not all that there is. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most difficult places, I guess, that I'm called to conversion on this point is in recognizing the eternal soul and eternal destiny of the people around me. Not like my friends and family, but like the supermarket checkout lady who might be slightly irritated or (laughs) the neighbor whose dog is really loud and wakes me up at night. Like... (laughs) I'm called to love them just as I am called to love my amazing spiritual friends that I have on heaven and on earth and to see in them the image and likeness of God and to see in them Mm -hmm. Christ's face, um, no matter how difficult or obscured I think it might be. I want to burn, as so many saints did, with the love of the people around me and the hope that we'll be together forever in heaven. Yeah. And with the casual person passing on the street, I don't, you know, I don't long for their salvation in the way that I want to, because that's the truth of it, right? That's the truth of reality is that we're all destined for the embrace of God. And like, dang, I want to look at my life with the awareness of that truth in mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And oh my goodness, examples of the saints that we could list that can show us this i mean saint maximilian colby gave up his life for a person he didn't know in the german concentration camps saint therese was interceding for a murderer on death row that she read about in the newspaper yeah um dorothy day and the way that she welcomed everyone exactly and then there's also stories of people interceding intensely for people that they have never met, souls that they have never met. And, you know, you see this a lot in the lives of people called to the contemplative religious life. Mm -hmm. They give up their whole life for the salvation of souls without that concrete encounter. And so, you know, there's really no excuse for us. There really isn't. There really isn't. And in this area, I'm really, some of my strongest saint friends are people like Elizabeth Lazur, who I think is a servant of God at the moment. Yeah. But just people who lived in the modern world that is often so secular and in urban settings where your neighbors tend to be strangers and 
in economies that pit us against one another in forms of competition. And this is why I'm so grateful that the church isn't like, all right, we've got enough saints, like we're done. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Or they limit it in any way to one demographic of people because like I was saying that I would have given up. I would write off holiness as something impossible for me. Yeah. I think on this point, I really want to recommend Meg Hunter Kilmer to our listeners because she's a Catholic speaker and thinker and she knows so much about the saints and she has a lot of writings online and she'll sometimes like compile lists of saints who X. Sometimes it's saints who were from this part of the country or saints who had a disability or saints who were scientists or saints who come from broken families or things like that. And so a lot of times when I've been tempted to think a particular characteristic of mine or situation of mine forecloses holiness and forecloses God's work that has been a source of combating mm-hmm. the myth. And everybody go listen to her. She's a great speaker, writer. Amazing. I think she has some books on saints, so I haven't read them. I'm sure they're amazing. I love that. And yeah, I've I've often had the thought in reading like her compendia of saints that really the only thing that unites these people is that they love. They are in love yes. with Christ because they are the most diverse group of people in the world. So if you need any inspiration... That's the way to go. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I honestly, I mean, thank goodness the saints don't get offended because there are so many of my friends that I didn't mention on this podcast (laughs) that I thought I might. Oh my goodness. We're barely scratching the surface here and it's it's inexhaustible and I can't wait for all of us to be in heaven together. Same. (laughs) To aid us on that journey, do you want to give us a media recommendation? Yeah, so I want to recommend this amazing movie. It's kind of funny that I'm recommending it because I only watched it because Sophia recommended it to me. Oh, really? So it's <laughs> really coming from you. It's called The Lives of Others, and it's a German movie. It's about the secret police in East Berlin and their intense monitoring of anyone they found suspicious. Mm-hmm. And I won't spoil the movie, but I find it related to this discussion because the movie – shows us how it is in relationship with others mm-hmm. that we can become more human and that isolated from human relationship our lives and our humanity can become distorted or reduced or cold and also because there's an element to the story that shows that our lives are not our own mm. in the sense that the impact of our lives is not limited to what we perceive. It's not a spiritual movie, but this applies, of course, to the spiritual reality too. Well put. Super, super powerful movie. I highly recommend it. And our weekly challenge? Well, for our weekly challenge today, I would invite everyone to get to know one saint, one additional saint if you already have a large spiritual posse. Um, (laughs) Maybe... This person is your confirmation saint. If you're not confirmed or already know your confirmation saint well, you could look to see whose feast day is on your birthday or your baptismal anniversary. And if you're still grasping at straws and no one is really speaking to you from that list, I will assign you a saint. (laughs) Servant of God, Luigi Giussani. Get to know him. (laughs) Pray for his canonization. I mean, this is the beautiful thing, though, because... The reality of the saints is something that we can test in our lives, just like we can test the reality of of God's existence and his love for us, yeah. you know? And so yeah. take as your working hypothesis that this saint who has caught your attention wants to befriend you. 
test it and see what happens in your life. Who are you going to pick? Crap, I already know all those saints. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I do. My confirmation saint, my birthday oh, oh, saint. Oh, I thought you meant like all the saints no. <laughs> of the church. <laughs> um, I, so my friends will know, I've had for a few years just a love of the Japanese martyrs. And whenever their feast day comes around, the Office of Readings is just one of my absolute favorites of the entire year. But, you know, some of them were foreign missionaries, some of them were Japanese Jesuits, and mm. some of them were just local people. I guess I just feel invited to get to know each of them a little bit better and, and yeah. to deepen this relationship. What about you? Okay, so one story I'm very intrigued by, I mean, I want to learn more, is the story of this a married couple. Um, their names are Cyprian and Daphros. They're from Rwanda. And oh, I love them. Yeah, I really want to learn more. This is what I know. They were married and he was unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And she was very devout. And ultimately they reconciled and lived many years of a happy marriage until the Rwandan genocide began. Essentially, they were martyred for speaking out against it. There's so much that intrigues me about the story. First, the tremendous mercy that she showed to her husband to forgive him after having betrayed her. Um, And also, I think there's a lot that's relevant to our current society and our current culture in terms of standing up for the truth and the most vulnerable, Mm -hmm. even when there's a lot of political and social pressure Mm -hmm. that's going the other way. So beautiful. Yeah. I'm not sure what stage they're in. And I think they might be blessed. Servant of God. Servant of God. They're they're not formally canonized yet, but I'm sure that it's just a matter of time. Well, if you need a miracle. (laughs) Yeah. Call on them. Call on them. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got for you today. Write to us with your favorite saints. Give us more suggestions. Yeah, give us more suggestions of people who are particularly efficacious or inspiring stories. And know of our prayers for you in this week ahead that you might not only get to know the saints, but make progress in running that race towards being counted in their number. Amen. We'll see you next week on The Pilgrim Soul. Thanks for joining us.